Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. What is good, everybody? Welcome in. This is a special edition of, I don't know whether I want to call this the Coast to Coast or a pseudo 40 club or what it is, because I don't have my Coast to Coast co-host with me. I don't have Tommy with me to do 40 club. But I brought in a guy that I'm lucky enough to call a friend that is as instrumental to success of North Carolina basketball as anybody in the modern era. Um, maybe I'll call it the Wad Pod. Jawad, how you feeling, man? I'm good, man. Just staying busy. That's about it right now. Yeah, well, Jawad Williams, uh, four-year letterman, national champion in North Carolina, and just retired from playing pole ball for 17 years. Dude, I, look, I, we've talked about this before. I don't think people can appreciate doing anything for 17 years is is pretty badass. But to be able to do something for 17 years that puts that kind of toll on your body, and really you only missed one parts of one season with injury. How did you? Is it just you taking care of your body that much? Is it just that that you were gifted with uh, you were gifted with just good health? What? How did you play 17 years, man? That's that's a long career for anybody. It's a little bit of everything, man. It's a blessing, first of all. It's a huge blessing. You know, a sure. lot of guys are forced into retirement. I was able to just walk away on my own terms. Uh, God blessed me with great health. I had one major injury, like you mentioned, that was in 2019 where I tore my Achilles. But even from that, I was back at then, I was back on the court in seven months. I played my first game seven months later after tearing my Achilles. But other than that, I've been fine, still healthy. Uh, I also take care of my body. I make sure uh, that I eat the right things, I get enough rest. And, you know, if you take care of your body, I'll take care of you. Yeah, well, I know you've heard this before. You look exactly the same as you did when you walked off the floor in St. Louis in 2005. Um, and, and I'm sure there's like a black don't crack joke in there somewhere. But man, you literally like you still look the same, the same youthful Jawad. And I'd imagine some folks that are watching this uh, will probably say the same thing. Uh, so anyway, well, I tonight hope I, look, I hope I, I hope I look that way ten years from now. That's what I need. <laughs> look, 10 man, years you're, from now, then we talk. Yeah, you're 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 cheating. You're cheating a lot of things. So it's it's um it's it's a you know kudos to you. Remarkable that that it's probably is a reflection of, of you taking care of yourself. Um, 17 years, again, long career. You experienced a lot of success, you know, played in a lot of different places, but you've transitioned really quickly, man. I don't feel like, you know, I feel like you were, you got to come home and play dad for a little bit. And then immediately you've already got auspices in the next phase of your career. Um, you know, you were, you were coaching at the NBPA. Uh, you were down in Orlando. Then you've been at Vegas for summer league. I mean, tell everybody kind of what you envision as kind of the next steps for you and and where you want to go next with your with your career after playing. Well, first of all, it looks like I transitioned so fast because I started laying the groundwork a long time ago, specifically probably about seven years ago. I started laying the groundwork. I didn't want that downtime because most that's when most athletes tend to mess up. Mm-hmm. You know, you have that down period. You sit around for a year or two. Your name's <laughs> not as hot anymore. Doors started to close. I didn't want that. I didn't want that in my life. So I started laying the groundwork, and uh, I joined the NBA assistant coaching program, uh, let's say, last year, last December. And then February, I joined the NBA basketball operations program. So I started that, – that program is to pre- prepare me to become a GM one day. You know, I'm learning everything from 
the collective bargaining agreement, salary cap management, rock, roster construction, whatever you can think of, I'm learning in the front office aspect from the ops program, assistant coaching program, I'm learning all the technology that I need if I want to transition into coaching, whether it be synergy, fast scout, fast draw, sports code. So I've just been busy, man. I've, I've been, <laughs> I, even during the season, like during the season, being that I was in Japan, I was getting up at three or four o'clock in the morning to take classes. So I'll have one class for about an hour, get maybe a 10 minute break. I'll start my next class for another two hours, take a nap, go to practice. And then, you know, that was my day. So, I mean, really, you don't know anything other than, you know, a 16, 17 hour day, regardless of what time zone you're in. No, man, it's part of life. You know, <laughs> I enjoy it. I enjoy it. So I, I, I can't complain about that. And a father of four. So it's, you know, I, I don't, I don't think uh, I don't think you're ever struggling for things to do. I think it's 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 really cool how quickly, like you said, you laid the groundwork many years ago. So obviously, your plan to transition quickly is kind of materialized or started that way. What's been kind of the biggest surprise that you've seen this quickly? You know, going from playing professional ball to easing into the coaching slash management side of things. What's been the biggest surprise that's jumped out at you? I think the biggest thing probably has to be management of time. You know, I'm so used to my my life being mapped out. Somebody mm-hmm. tells me I have to work out at this time. I eat at this time. I'm back in the gym at this time. Now, I told my wife this today. Like, I really rely on my calendar. Like, I have to look at my calendar before <laughs> anybody throws anything else in there. Like, I have to schedule out family time. So I'm like, hey, 9 o'clock on Thursday, we're doing this. And then I have meetings, 5, 6, whatever it may be. So that's the biggest thing, just salary, just managing my time. Yeah. Well, appreciate you carving out some time to talk with us. I, I think one of the one of the things that folks have have come to know about you, even when you were playing in Chapel Hill, was that you had a lot of innate leadership qualities to you. You know, folks on that team, even your peers looked up to you. You were kind of the de facto uh, leader of that team, even when you were, you know, even when you were a freshman. Um, I think a lot of folks have seen you develop that and kind of have that as part of your arsenal. Uh, no matter what team or which league you've been playing in. I think it's only natural that, that you're kind of transitioning to this. And I think most uh, Carolina fans and inside Carolina subscribers would say the same thing. Do you, did you ever anticipate something different than basketball? Did you ever anticipate, you know, seven years ago or whenever you were playing and started thinking about what was after this outside of family life? Did you ever think about anything that didn't have basketball in it? Or was it just, is it something that you feel like you just enjoy that much? I really, not really, you know, for the most part, this is what I've, like you said, I've been doing this my entire life. So this comes natural to me. I explored other things, you know, you know, being an author, for example, that's Mm -hmm. something nobody probably ever thought I would do. I like to get my hands in a little bit of everything, whether it be real estate, being an author, uh, just anything that can bring financial stability to my family, anything that interests me, that's what I'm getting involved in. So my hands are all over the place. That's why I'm always so busy. Well, you've uh, you've done a good job of, of keeping busy and your presence around the program, even when you're playing 13 hours ahead of here, you kind of have still had a presence around the program. And a lot of that is due to, you know, coming back to Chapel Hill, being a part of summertime, uh, schooling some of the young guys, both on and off the floor. Uh, I know we're talking, you know, you did your rehab here for your Achilles. So let's talk about something that I think a lot of fans think they know about but you've had plenty of years being a part of, and that's summer ball. It's, it's legendary. It's part of the Carolina family. It's part of the, 
the fabric that links all of these classes and all these players together that regardless of if you ever shared a floor together or rode a bus together or flew together, the fact that you wore that jersey, you come back in the summer and you play. Tell, I guess, tell our listeners, what is that like? And kind of what is your perspective on that as a guy that's that's been graduated for 17 years now? And it, it, what is your perspective and how you play your role in that summertime development and, and those games and camps and all that stuff? I think it's very important to the development of the, of the guys on and off the court. Like for myself, when I was in school, I had Shamal Williams, Antoine Jamison, Brendan Haywood, Jerry Stackhouse. These were guys that were known within the NBA world coming back and giving me my lessons, my life lessons, if anything. Uh, so for me, it was only right that I returned the favor. That's why I made sure when I left school, I wanted to stay in the area. I didn't want to go too far. I wanted to be able to help these guys. So a lot of these young guys that come in, I'm probably the first person they meet who's graduated from Carolina because I'm always there every day. So I see some of these guys, even on their visit, I'm talking to them, I'm talking to their parents. I'm letting the parents know when they get to campus, hey, I live around the corner. So if you need to call me to go check on your son, you know, that's fine because I have no, I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to gain either from the kid's success. Only thing I get to do is say, hey, I know that guy. I met him when he was 17 years old, fresh on campus. So I take pride in uh, being the person that, that they need to lean on uh, who doesn't get anything for their success. How much does it play kind of your mindset of feeling like you, you know, you needed to give back because it was given to you. How much of that do you think is just the way it's done now at Carolina? Right. You know, I I've read just in media day this week, you know, you, you read the comments from a kid like Pete Nance, who was coming in from the outside. You read about, the things that Brady Manick said last year when he joined the program, uh, especially in this era of the transport portal, guys are coming in from the outside and they can see what the Carolina family has talked about. And they can see kind of this concept and they hear about it. But when they get here, it's almost like they're consumed by it. How much do you feel like it's just part of your job as a vet, but also that it's now going to survive on its own, right? I, I don't know if I'm asking the question well, but I'm trying to kind of parse out you've done your duty and that it was given to you you've given back is this something that you feel like the next generation of guys will continue to to uphold that tradition I guess is kind of where I'm going they don't have a choice you know a lot of these younger <laughs> no seriously like a lot of these younger guys we've talked to them and I've been on them because now I'm phasing out of it you know I can't get on the court I can but I'm not going to get on the court like I used to and give guys those lessons for example like Theo Theo, I gave Theo every lesson he can, <laughs> every lesson he can handle on and off the court. And now it's up to him. He has to come back. And I, I tell Theo that and multiple other guys say, hey, I'm I'm the last one, really. So now everybody, you guys have to come back. You have to pour into these kids like we poured into you. And uh, I think it's going to transition really well into this next group of guys. Marcus Page is around, Joel James, uh, James Michael McAdoo. So these guys, they understand. Because they see me from day one now, these new guys that are coming in, they need to see them every day. It's really, it's really cool to hear kind of how the the transition of of who the new camp counselors are, right? Like when things mm-hmm. transition from you know from your generation and the guys that schooled you to you know to the guys that you schooled, and now the guys that those guys are schooling. Like it's it, again, they mentioned this week in media days, 
all the guys that you just listed, you know, Joel James, uh, James Michael McAdoo, they mentioned Marcus, they mentioned Luke, they mentioned Theo. Um, and it's, it's really cool to kind of see the, the, I guess, the through line of, of all of those guys who have been schooled class by class. It's Something like passing of the torch. It's the yeah. passing of the torch. You that's, know, a, like, that's a great way to phrase it. I feel like Shaman passed that torch to me at one point because there was a there was a drop off for a little while. Yep. And uh, I felt like I wanted to be the guy who picked it back up and got everything going. So that's why I'm around every day. Like there's there's literally if I'm in town, I'm usually at the gym, mm-hmm. whether it be early in the morning or late at night. And then if those guys want me to be there to help them with something during the day. They got my number. All I got to do is call me and I'll be right there because I'm 10 minutes away. It's, I think that speaks to you as a human, but also speaks to kind of why, you know, why you've been such a natural leader and why this, you know, post-playing career leadership thing seems to just be a natural segue. I want to ask you something that I think, again, a lot of our, our subscribers and listeners and viewers of this, of this pod, they think they understand what summer scrimmage is like. I want you to tell me what it's really like, because I feel like the, the, the old heads, the alumni guys are just trying to give it to the young guys as best they can. I mean, you mentioned teaching Theo lessons on and off the court earlier. I get the feeling that the alums are just absolutely trying to, to school and body and just whatever you can to the young guys so that it will make them the best versions of themselves. How close am I? Or is it, is it, you tell me from your experience, what's that like? You're hundred percent right. From, from now that I'm one of the vets, every time we step on the court with the young guys, the goal is to kill them, completely kill them, take away any pride they may have, just destroy them. That's mm-hmm. the goal. Because when they step up, if they can challenge us in any type of fast form or fashion, if they can hold their own against us, when they play against college kids, it should be easy. And that's what happened to me when I came in. Like, I remember walking in and Brenda Haywoods, Jerry Stackhouse, Antoine Jameson, these guys are on the same team. And they just destroyed us when nothing. I'm coming as an all American thing. Oh, yeah, I'm, the, <laughs> I'm that guy. And that's what happens. These guys come on campus, they think they're the man, but they have no idea. Like when you start playing against grown men with grown man strength and, <laughs> you know, learn, know all the little tricks and trades of the game, it, it's hard. And we just use those things to make them better. That's all it's about making each other better. I use those guys to keep me sharp for 17 years. Those guys kept me sharp. They allowed me to go back into my season knowing how these young guys play, being able to, you know, stay light on my feet, just knowing how the game is going to be played with these young guys. And that's what kept me going. So we rely on each other. Does, you know, and it all comes from a place of good intent, a place of love and care for the program. Does, does that work if you don't make yourself available for the guys outside of basketball? Uh, No, it doesn't. That's a great point. It doesn't work. Uh, You have to let these guys know that you really care about them. Like, we'll destroy them. We talk crazy to each other on the court. Um, you know, you know me. A lot of people don't know me personally, <laughs> but in between those lines, it's a, it's a whole nother me. Right. There's, not much, there's not much conversation to be had. Um, for whatever time period we're on the court, I don't know you. I, I don't care who you are. You know, I played against some of my former teammates on a professional level. I don't care what our relationship is. Once we step between, between those lines, I don't know you. For two hours, I don't know you. And it's the same thing in pickup. For that 20, 30 minutes that we're playing, I don't know you. Like, don't talk to me. I don't know you. I'm going to say something crazy to you. I might try to bait you into a fight. Whatever it takes to get the best out of you and to make sure I push myself. 
So it's just the way it is. But they know at the end of the day, when we step off that court, we can have a conversation. Say, hey, Mm -hmm. I did this to you because you need to get better in this area. But I can also say to those guys, like, hey, man, I see you struggling with this. You know, talk to me. Tell me what you need. Or just talk to them about life because they're going to go through things that, given the time has changed, you still face the same obstacles as a student athlete. So talk to me. I can I can help you with that. I can help you navigate that. I can tell you who you need to talk to, because sometimes guys might not be comfortable talking to a coach. Right. Come talk. Come talk to me. I can be that gap for you. If you need me to talk to the coach for you, come talk to me. I got you. And it, it doesn't have to be like, hey, this kid said this. When I go talk to the coach, I could just go to the coach and say, hey, tell me about this, this, and this, and then I can relay that message to the kid. Mm-hmm. It comes off better. It, it's a little easier because once again, I have nothing to gain from either side being right been successful so it works out yeah and, and playing like you said that honest the year coming at it with an honest curiosity and honest desire to to see everybody succeed and see everybody win um so i want to ask this and i don't you don't need to give anybody's names i, I don't you know i don't want to put anybody on blast but i think the story matters is there anybody that you can think of that you've had one of these situations where on the court i mean you're just you know literally just giving them buckets or they're giving you like it's getting heated right and then afterwards, you know, you, you guys end up making a surprising connection or you have like this really aha, you know, big brother teachable type moment. Is there ever been one of those where you walked away from it just feeling like this is what I'm here for? This is what I'm supposed to do? I think the first guy that I had that serious connection with was Theo. Hmm. You know, Theo was a guy, he, he was super competitive and I was a fan. You know, when I first seen Theo when he was in high school, I was a fan. So when hmm. I got him on campus, I said, I'm a fan, but I'm going to destroy him. So that's what happened. I destroyed him every day. He could tell you this. I destroyed him every day. Every time I got a chance, I went at his head. But Theo was willing to listen and learn. And now he's the guy coming back and handing out those lessons. And for his current team, uh, probably Justin McCoy. Justin McCoy, when he first stepped on campus from UVA, he felt like he had something to prove. Mm -hmm. And um, he did. But he had never ran into me on the court. You know, playing against college kids is one thing. You know, he played against me. I, I showed him what it takes to be a pro and how to get to this level. And I was able to, after the game, sit him down and talk to him. Like, hey, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to work on. And it's been a great relationship since then. Same thing with Leaky. You know, I, I know Leaky, when he came on his visit, I remember playing against him. And I've been a fan ever since. Uh, I hold Leaky to a very high standard mm-hmm. because I know how good he can be. You know, I've talked to you about these. I have conversations yeah. with you quite often. I have very high standards for Leaky. Leaky is an NBA player to me. He has the body. He has the frame. He just has to get it together between his ears. And once he does that, it's over. You know, last half of the season, he showed the player he's capable of being. Mm-hmm. Hold that thought. I want to I get back to some of the current guys in a second. Um, all right, last thing I'll ask you about summer pickup. What is something that people who come to the Smith Center and see these games – will see that they won't see in a regular game? Is it just the elevated level? I mean, you've talked about the elevated level of competitiveness, but is it the elevated level of trash talking? Is it the fact that, you know, guys are trying to absolutely baptize somebody and they would never try it in the course of a regular game? What What's something that if I'm sitting in the Smith Center and there's pickup going on down the floor, what's something I'm going to see there that I would absolutely not see in the course of a, a team-organized sanction game? It's the elevated level of trash talking for sure. <laughs> for, for sure. Like 
some guys never say a word. And then all right. of a sudden we get to pick up games and things get heated. And I, both sides are going at it, chirping back and forth. But that, that's one of the main things that stands out. All right. Don't, uh, you know, if you don't feel comfortable diamond them out, fine. But who's the most savage person that the average fan would have no idea was as much of a talker as they are? Ooh. From the current team or just overall? Anybody. Just a- anybody who's come through the program that, like I said, our listeners and our subscribers would would know who they are. But then you you, you talk about them, you know, in, in, this, in the Smith Center, and all of a sudden we're finding out that, that they, you know, they, they just don't stop talking. Feels obvious, of course. Right. He right. talks a lot. Uh, Tyler Hansborough. Really? Tyler, when you get if you yeah, if you get Tyler going, Tyler will say some crazy stuff to you. Uh let me think. Who else, man? Shaman. Shaman came back and played, was it earlier this summer or last summer? Shaman, old as he is, he get out there, he still talk crazy to these young boys too. Really? So, See, that's yeah. and Shaman's, you know, Shaman's closer to my age, I think. Um, he might have been the year ahead of me. Play. He old man game. He'll back him down from half court, talk crazy to him. <laughs> but and that's like you said, that's the old man game, right? It's that it's that different, it's grown man strength that that you don't see when you're 17, 18, 19 and haven't just been beat on for however many years. Um, old man strength and skill kicks in. That's all it is. <laughs> all right. Well, okay, one more question, we'll hit a break. What what year do you feel like you can officially you officially have old man strength, or as as my uh, as I've heard people say before, old man scrump, depending on which part of the South you're from. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Probably around uh, somewhere between 32, 32 to thirty four. So when so when your game's officially changed and you're you know you're like all pull up jump shots and backing guys down and creating space and pulling out the chair from under them, all that stuff. Yep, that's exactly what it is. You start relying <laughs> on that skill. You're not dunking. They're like, dunk that. Nah, I'll take this two-point layup. <laughs> Keep it moving. That's that's when the old man's strength kicks in. I love it. All right, we'll take a quick break. Uh, Joao, what size shirt do you wear? I'm a 2XL. Okay, see, I'd imagine you're probably like a, a plus four or a long anyway in the jersey. And the reason I ask is because I'm fairly certain whatever size you wear, Johnny T-shirt carries it. Johnny T-shirt sponsors this podcast and all of Inside Carolina's content right there on East Franklin Street in Chapel Hill. They've been around since I was in school. They were obviously around selling championship shirts after 2005 when Jawad was in school. If you are listening or watching this podcast, you're well aware of Johnny T-Shirt. And so, therefore, you need to log on their website right now and get yourself something. Uh, They've got all kinds of new stuff coming in for fall right now. Uh, They'll start getting football stuff. If they haven't got it on the shelves, they're getting it very soon. Nike's always weird about when they deliver that, but Johnny T-Shirt has it for you. If you need it, they have it. And like I've said a thousand times, if they don't have it, you don't need it. JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Inside Carolina premium subscribers get their extra 10% off if they use the code found on the premium message boards. Take a quick break. Uh, let the national guys run some ads. We'll be right back with Jawad Williams talking about summertime, summer pickup, and maybe we even talk about next year's team a little bit right after this break. Stick around here on the special edition podcast for InsideCarolina.com. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love 
you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back. Joey Powell here hosting a special edition Inside Carolina.com podcast. I'm calling it the Wad Pod. Uh, you know him, Jawad Williams, the, uh, the absolute king of Cleveland. Uh, he has basically been the, uh, the leader of Japan for six, what, five years, six years you played over there? Um, I mean, it's been a six long time. Total, last five years. I'm now mad. Total. I'm now mad that you left because I can't go over there now. Um, but uh, Jawad has just retired. He's spending some time talking with us. It's always fascinating when able, whenever I'm able to bend Jawad's ear because it's just you, you've always been really honest and, and frank about things. There's no sugarcoating things with you. You're always really even keel. So I, I know that if I <laughs> if I ask you a question, I'm gonna get the good dirt. So I want to talk now about the current squad. You know, we talked a little bit before the break about what summer pickup looks like and kind of what your role is as an individual, but also what all of the alumni's roles are in helping prep the current squad for the upcoming season. You know, there's been some changes, and I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't ask you who is you know, a lot of Carolina basketball fans will refer to you as the OG stretch four, right? I mean, you were a stretch four before it was a thing in college basketball. And I still say, I know you don't want to hear it, but I still say, if you were five years later and coming through college, like you would have absolutely just stuck in the NBA on some random roster and been there for 10, 12 years too, because the game had not changed when you came through. But sure. you know this, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But specifically, I want to ask, as a guy that's played the stretch four, even before the stretch four was a thing, how do you feel like North Carolina moving to this four out, one in style has advanced them? Like, I feel like they, they may have made up you know, five or six years in basketball evolution time just by switching to Hubert Davis's style versus what Roy Williams was playing with two traditional bigs. Give us your kind of perspective on that. And, and what does it mean now that Hubert's playing a more NBA style of basketball? And also it's, it's allowing from this guy's viewpoint, it looks like it's just allowing for more versatility and guys to just be ball players instead of being locked into a position. Uh, I agree. You're 100% right. I think uh, Huber's new style has definitely opened up the floor, allowed guys to really show what they're capable of doing. Because you always heard guys saying, hey, you play in the Carolina system. You know, they always talked about who can keep Michael Jordan under 20 points. It was mm -hmm. Dean Smith. Mm -hmm. That's no knock on the system. It prepared you for what was best for Carolina basketball at the time. You also learned how to play basketball. With Huber's new system, uh, spreading the floor, 4 out one in, like you said, it allows guys to really explore their talents, really explore their talents and go out there and show what they can do. Because, uh, you know, if you want to get ready for the professional level, they don't really care about the system you played in. They want to know your individual talent. Right. I think, the new, I think this new style also opens the door for more recruits, more high-level recruits, because that's, at the end of the day, that's what a lot of kids want. They want to be able to play on the next level. And uh, this new style will definitely help them. 
I think it was weird, man. And again, we talked about this a lot of times uh, offline, but once guys figured out what that style was and understood kind of what the motion concepts were, you know, and where the off ball action is in Hubert Davis's system, I feel like that's really when guys got more free and things started gelling for the team towards the end of the year. Did you feel like there was a, a singular moment where you, as a guy who played the game for your entire life, looked at things like, oh, now it's clicking? Was there a singular moment where you noticed that or were there little things that you saw that immediately you felt like, okay, they're, they're starting to figure it out? Oh, man, that's hard to pinpoint one game or one moment. But I can pinpoint one person, and that was mm-hmm. Brady Manning. Mm-hmm. When, when Brady just started shooting the ball from any angle, no matter how he caught it, I was like, <laughs> okay. I was like, no, really, they got it now. Like, they got it. Like, whether he makes or misses it doesn't really mean anything, but now he, at least he's a threat. Yeah. And then when, when Leaky picked it up, I think they went to a whole nother level. Because now it's like, Leaky, you don't have to think. Just let it go. Yeah. Let it go. Now, at least you're a threat. This is two things going to happen. There's a 50% chance you make it, 50% chance you miss it. There's nothing to lose. I think when when he figured it out, Brady figured it out a long time ago, but when Leakey figured it out, I think it opened up the floor, opened up the game for Carolina and allowed them to do what they were able to do. Well, like you said, even if you miss, the other team's got to respect it. They've got to guard it. Uh, and that, and then, that opens things up for everybody else. And if you miss, you had Armando Baycott down there cleaning up the glass. And then you, and Brady was even down there on the glass. You know, so I'll take those, I'll take my chance with that. All right, you played alongside a guy that there were a lot of comparisons for Armando of last year, Sean May. How much of Sean May's game, especially his junior season, did you see in Armando's run to the tournament last year? Number-wise, I've seen a lot. Just just numbers. It's hard to compare those two because Sean was just so dominant. I don't think people really understand how good Sean <laughs> May was. Uh, but number-wise, he was there. You know, those big points and rebounds games. Armando – he showed what we all knew he was capable of. And I think next year he's going to show even more, which is scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I, I've seen him in the gym working. I know the work he's been putting in this summer and it's going to be really fun to watch him play next year. So we've talked about you becoming a coach. How fun is it watching, you know, your guys, Sean May and Jackie Manuel become coaches. What, what, what can you see on the floor that you recognize as a former teammate of those guys? Like, w- w- have you had those moments where you see somebody do something like, oh, they picked that up from Jack or, oh, that's, that's a Sean move. Like, have you seen a couple of those? I see a lot of uh, Jackie and Leaky. Mm-hmm. I really do. Cause defensively, I think Jackie is the greatest defender probably in the ACC mm-hmm. history. That's just my opinion. Because right. I watched this guy chase a dude named JJ Reddick and <laughs> shut him down for a half. Like, I don't think many people were given that task. I've seen Jackie guard some of the best. And I could tell that he's in Leaky's ear about little techniques and everything. Like, I, I even still learn from Jackie. Like, how to chase a guy off a screen and everything. I learned that from Jackie. It wasn't a coach or anything. It was mm. Jackie, watching Jackie play. And he's, he's uh, giving those lessons to these guys. So the only big change that this North Carolina team is going to see from the team that came really close to, to winning a title last year, surprisingly, New Orleans, was bringing in a guy like Pete Nance. And again, I'm, I'm leaning on you as, the, as, as one of the first stretch fours to play at Carolina. You see a guy like Nance who maybe he's, maybe he's more of a 5-4 a or 4-5. He doesn't shoot as quickly of a release as Brady does. I think the easy comparison that people are going to make, and we've done it on the coast-to-coast, is try to separate 
he and Brady play the same position, but they're not the same player. Tell me what, you know, as a viewer and a guy who watches a, a lot of ball, what can I expect to see out of Pete Nance, the player? And what can I expect to see out of Pete Nance, the teammate? Uh, like you said, he's not Brady. Brady was more of a 4-3. Right. I see Pete is more of a 4-5. He can be a stretch four or he can be a stretch five. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to be able to give Armando a break, allow other guys. We can go even smaller. Uh, he's going to be able to get Armando a break, still be able to stretch the floor. Mm-hmm. Might be able to see other guys get down there and mix it up in the in the low post. Um, I think as a teammate, he's going to be just fine. He's a great kid, comes from a great family. Uh, just because he's his... from Akron, slow down. You don't need to hype him up just because he's <laughs> an Ohio kid. It's true, though. It's true. <laughs> you know, I, I knew I know his uh, I know his dad, of course, from my time of playing in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Met his brother. Uh, before I even knew Pete exists, I knew those guys and I know what type of people they are. And then when I finally got to meet him, you know, he, he aligns with his, his father and his brother. So I think he's going to be a great teammate. He's a great addition and uh, he's really going to help them. Go. Did, you, did you just off the just taking a little side turn? Did you and his brother, were you, were you ever in Cleveland at the same time? No, we were not. He was okay. after me. OK, I, I, I didn't know if there was if there's any overlap there or not. Um, one of the things that a lot of the guys on the current team have said about Nance is he's got a really high basketball IQ. What does that mean to you? That means a lot. Because in my mind, the stretch four isn't so much just about shooting. It's about IQ of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stretch four is extension of a – he's a point guard on the front line, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Uh, now, I played with Raymond Feldman, mm-hmm. one of the best point guards to play at Carolina. But I was also able to dictate the plays to Ray because I see something different. So Ray can control the guards. I can control the bigs. Me and Ray, hey, Ray, run dribble. Ray, run this, you know. And we were able to have that communication. So being a stretch four, having a high IQ is something that's going to take this team to another level. I don't want to make this all about Pete, but I think kind of a byproduct that's going to happen here is that with a guy like Nance coming in who's got a four-year, you know, four years of playing you know high major basketball comes from a great pedigree as you mentioned is now you don't have to put so much pressure on kids like Dontrez uh Styles and Puff Johnson to develop so quickly can you speak to what that means to have that sort of developmental depth and reduced pressure on guys like Puff and Trez to be able to come along at less of an accelerated pace how much does that actually help those kids in their development how much does it help the team I think it helps him a lot because uh, the last thing you want to do is throw a guy in a fire and he hasn't been tested yet. You know, you got to you gotta allow these guys to be tested. They showed flashes last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, like you said, with Pete there, he has the experience already. They don't have to just throw them out there the first five games and say, all right, show us what you got now. Mm-hmm. You know, they can kind of maybe 10 games, maybe 15 games in. But whatever it is, I think those guys will be ready. And uh, Pete really, you know, shelters them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the other beautiful, the other beautiful thing I think for this team and fans have picked up on it, but you mentioned it a second ago was his ability to kind of spell Mondo and play a traditional five if he needs to. And, and hell, I guess if you if you were Davis and his staff want to, they could probably go five out with a guy like Nance if they wanted to. Do you, do you see that happening? Is that something yes, that yeah. you think they'd stretch? For sure, for sure. Playing five out is something that's becoming pretty common in the professional world. I've been mm-hmm. playing for high level European coaches, and we've been playing five out for the last six years. You know, sometimes we don't – only time we'll go into a post is we need a, we need to make sure we get a guaranteed bucket. Mm-hmm. Then we're going into the post. Uh, so five out isn't something that's foreign, and I think 
when Carolina does it to teams, I think it's going to really throw teams for a loop. It'll definitely set some fans a little bit sideways. I mean, you, as long as you've been around this program, you know how traditional some of the fans could be at some times, and it will definitely probably raise some eyebrows. Um, you got to evolve, man. You got to <laughs> evolve. I'm, t- I'm telling you, like, that five out is amazing because it doesn't mean you have to shoot all jump shots. Right. You know, there's, there's different ways to score. <laughs> you know, you got the mid-range, you can get to the rim, and there's nobody in the paint for protection. And if they are in the paint for protection, that means somebody's out wide open. So it works. Well, and if you think about how many guys that North Carolina has that are so good on the dribble, uh, that are so good, that are able to get their own shot, you know, with the ball in their hands, I mean, that, that's going to be kind of lethal if they decide to, to deploy a five-out system at some points. Um, well, that's why, that's why RJ and Caleb had such great years last year. Mm-hmm. The paint wasn't packed anymore. Yep. You know, before, it was two big guys down there, and Caleb struggled finishing at the rim. Now, those guys aren't in there anymore, so now he beats his man. Now he has one other guy to worry about. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 the decision-making becomes a lot easier. So opening up the floor just opens up the game, and guys will be able to do what they do best. Oh, and by the way, North Carolina is still a very uh, high-efficiency rebounding team. So even if, even if those guys get to the rack on their own, it's not like there's not going to be somebody trailing to clean up the mess if they miss it. Um, I want to ask you, uh, and this is kind of a question I think a lot of folks have this curiosity every year, but you have the unique perspective because you're there during the summer and you've, you've seen a lot of different players come through you know, the Smith Center Tunnel. Who's taken the biggest jump? from last summer to today? Puff. How so? Sure, Puff. He's just gotten tougher to me. Uh, he's starting to show – he's starting to remind me of his brother a lot. Is it because he's healthy? Um, yeah, I believe so. I believe so. He's healthy. He's playing tough. You know, I, he had to guard me. And it just wasn't the same little kid that I knew from before. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I actually had to put effort into scoring on Puff now. You know what right. I mean? Right. Uh, I think he's he showed flashes last year, and I think he's going to make a huge jump. I'm also still a huge Dontrez Styles fan, huge fan of his. Dontrez is very hard to guard when he gets it going, like especially if he starts attacking the rim, and then he knocks down a couple of shots. It's going to be a long night. So those two guys have definitely shown strides, and hopefully they continue to uh, get better at this pace. I think that's going to be music to our listeners' ears. Uh, who do you think will surprise North Carolina fans the most this coming season? Whew, that's tough. You, look, uh, you knew I wasn't going to throw you softballs all night. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Most surprising. I'm going to have to go Puff. Yeah? Puff, just Puff from an offensive standpoint or just a nose for the ball or just expanding sides, his game? Both sides of the floor. Both sides of the floor. I think he's going to be a, a guy you can put in multiple positions. Especially maybe a backup to like Leaky and not have much of a drop off defensively, but also be able to add uh, some scoring, offensive rebounding. And uh, he's healthy and he's looking more athletic. So Puff would be that guy. I think it was, he was sneaky good in the tournament last year on some closeouts uh, for rebounds. I mean, I think about the game against, um, against Duke in the Final Four where it was, you know, within the last minute. And if he doesn't, I think it was either he or Manic, if he doesn't clear out Paulo Bancaro, Duke gets that rebound and the game yeah, on changes. The re- uh, on the free throw line. I remember yep. that play. Yeah. I was scared. <laughs> I was scared. I mean, well, Paolo was 6'10, 250. Yes. Looking, he was looking real frail out there. I wasn't sure he was going to be able yep. to keep him off the glass. But he, but he, he backed Paolo basically into the first row of the cameras. So, I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. the that's textbook, right? That's textbook, right? Yeah. Um, 
All right. Get, getting close to the end here. I appreciate your time, man. I know you got you to gotta go back to daddy duty. Um, what's the best play you saw this summer? Ooh, that's tough. Best play. Mm, might be something from Don Trez. Really? Just jumping out yeah. of the gym or, or, or just getting yeah. loose and getting his own shot? Get both. He was doing, he was doing everything this summer. So far, he was doing everything. Right. When Don Trez puts his head down, decides he's going to go right and get to that round, he's hard to stop. And then he's made some shots and pickup games that I didn't know he could shoot. Uh, I didn't know he could shoot that well, but he's making them off the bounce and everything. So Don Trez, uh, he's winning the summer right now in my eyes. He's not a small guy either. That's the other thing people don't, you know, people have to recognize him. Mean, he was, you know, there were times last year when he was, he was playing some strong four against, you know, bigger guys and, uh, that's that's the type of thing I think a lot of folks maybe take for granted or, or just didn't see a lot of and and, and don't remember. Yeah, Dontrell is probably a solid six seven. I don't know how much he weighs, but he's he's not a little guy at all. All right, last one, and I, I, it's a yes or no question, but I'd love to hear kind of give me the essay answer. Can this roster return to the Final Four? Yes, uh, under conditions that they understand. They're not just going to wake up and be back in the championship game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people have a false, our fans have a false perception that because you played the last year, <laughs> you're going to be right back there. Right. It doesn't work like that. Like, right. There's a lot that goes into making it that far. Uh, with 2017, you know, those guys, there's a process you have to go through. There's 30 something games you have to win and guys have to stay healthy. There's a lot that goes into getting back to that championship game. And uh, now, we're wearing the bullseye. You know, it was easy when you were under the radar and mm-hmm. kind of creeping up on players, but now you're the hunter. What are you going to do now? I mean, you can't drop your guards at all. And uh, long, they can make it. They can get it done. They can get there. They can win. Um, but they have, to, they have to bring it every single day, whether it be practice or in the games, they have to make sure they bring it and never let up. Well, and hopefully, I think the the stuff that folks have have heard from you tonight and the things that they've read on Inside Carolina this year have, have kind of been a little bit of a tease as to how serious these these kids are taking in preparation for next year. Uh, it's obvious that they liked what they what they tasted last year, or else they all wouldn't be back again. And you wouldn't have a guy like like Pete Nance coming in. You wouldn't have the recruiting class they have. I haven't even asked you about any of the recruits, and I was getting ready to wrap the show. Have you have you had a chance to see any of the young kids? And do you have any opinions on any of those guys? I'm very high on this freshman, especially uh, – well, I can't say especially, but Seth doesn't really count to me, man. I've known Seth for quite some time. Right? <laughs> since he was a baby, probably. Yeah, since he was coming around with his brother because I was there. You know, right. I seen him when he was a little kid out there on the court shooting. But uh, defensively, Seth is going to be amazing. Like, you don't see too many young guys as strong as him, as, mm-hmm. as athletic as he is and willing to defend. He's going to be amazing defensively. He's getting better shooting the ball off the bounce uh, from the three-point line. He can definitely – his mid-range is there, and explosion is there. Uh, But once he gets comfortable shooting the three off the bounce, Mm -hmm. Seth has the chance to be very good. Uh, I watched Jalen work out a lot. I met his his mother when he came on his visit. Oh, yeah. Uh, Beautiful woman, great woman, uh, great family. He's a great kid. Yeah. Uh, and he's been putting in a lot of work. I'm watching him shoot the other day. And I probably watched him make about eight threes in a row. He kind of – his build and the way he's been shooting the ball, he kind of reminds me of Chris Bosh. Really? Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, I could I could see that a little bit also, especially his posture when he dribbles. He's got a little bosh in him. I could see that. Yeah, he got the extra long arms. But mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing is funny because guys with really long arms usually can't shoot because they can't control their arms. Right, and, <laughs> just flailing all over the place. Yeah, but he he has a natural looking stroke, and he he reminds me of Chris Bosh. I think he's going to be really really good. Well, that's Both the, those guys, of course. That's also going to be music to everybody's ears. Well, look, man, I don't want to keep you too long. I appreciate you. Wait, taking- wait, wait, wait! I got to throw my guy Will Shaver in there. Okay. I've been impressed. I've been impressed with Big Will, man. Yeah. I mean, the kid I, came in early. That's something that nobody's ever seen before. He gave up uh, a year of high school to come to Carolina and redshirt early just to get the experience. And, and I, I talked to him well about it. I yeah. talked to him about it. I had to pick his brain about it. Like, why did he do it? And he said he just wanted to be more comfortable. And I think he's going to really surprise people because of that. He's not a freshman. So right. the biggest jump, the biggest jump usually happens between your freshman and sophomore year. So he's coming in but a year of experience under his belt, I think he's going to be uh, pretty good. And again, we talked about depth earlier. Like there aren't going to be any expectations on him. So he can, you know, you mentioned flying under the radar. He can absolutely fly under the radar. I mean, I didn't ask about him. And then all of a sudden, you know, you bring him up. Kid could absolutely fly under the radar next year, which as we've seen is it works wonders for a young guy's confidence. It does. You're right. Cause they don't, if you're not on a sky report, they don't know what to expect. So yeah. that's good. Anything else? I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off, especially if you're throwing nuggets like that around before we walk out the door. No, man, I'm good, man. I get back in here to these kids, man. All right. Well, <laughs> to, uh, tell the family we appreciate you. Appreciate them sharing you with us tonight. Uh, I appreciate you making time, man. Uh, as always, it's just it's it's fun whenever we get to chop it up. So, uh, congrats again on the retirement. Uh, I I can't wait to see what you know what the future holds for you. Hopefully, we can. Uh, depending on what your schedule looks like, hopefully we can do this. Uh, you know sometime again in the near future but i appreciate it um thanks to johnny t-shirt for sponsoring thanks to john Siegley for producing but for jawad williams the unofficial mayor of cleveland ohio i'm joey powell this has been a special edition inside carolina.com podcast hope you'll join us again next time make sure you subscribe rate and review us but until next time we will talk to you later okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.